Hello, and welcome to Cool Playlist. I'm Eliza Skinner, and this is my podcast, where every episode we create a playlist for a specific life, moment, event, occasion, what have you, always with a special guest. And today we're making a playlist for dismantling the patriarchy. Yeah. With my special guest, Kate Schellenbach. Hi, thank Hi. you, thank you. Yay! I'm always up for dismantling things. <laughs> yeah? Is that why you picked this one? I'll give you a few choices. You give me a few choices. And I thought this seemed like the right time to dismantle the patriarchy. It seems like it's happening yeah. in a lot of different places. And, and we've been waiting for so long. I don't know why we keep putting it on. And we definitely need to, a soundtrack yes. to get it going, yeah. to be pumped up to do it. Yeah. It's a lot. There's a lot to do. <laughs> yeah. But I also grew up in like this very feminist family and like lived through this whole second wave of feminism, which was at the time kind of humorous to me and I didn't really relate to it. But then I lived through like the third wave and what are we now in? The fourth Fifth? Yeah, I, I can't tell how big the waves are if we're they just divided. keep coming. Yeah, but yeah, so that's that's by. I, I was just like, yeah, I can, I can, I can, I can think of a playlist for this. Yeah, we know each other from working at the Late Late Show with James Corden, yes. where you were a producer. Yes. Um, and when I started working there, I already knew of you from your work with uh, Luscious Jackson and the Beastie Boys. Yes. Which blows my mind. <laughs> I kind of have a vague memory of you coming up to me shyly in the in the kitchen and yep. saying something. Yes, I, I saw your name on our on the wall, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and then uh, uh, I can't remember if it was like uh, Guy Branham or Jake Fogelness. Somebody was like, yeah, that's the same Kate Schellenbach. Uh-huh. I was like, are you serious? There's not a lot of Kate Schellenbach. Although I do have a cousin named Nate Schellenbach. Oh wow! Which well, is, so he, does he get a lot of offers he changed, for drums? He changed his last name. <laughs> <laughs> he actually changed his last name to his wife's last name. Which talk about Very feminist, cool. a feminist man. I have He's a friend just, who he and his wife merged their names. So is it's, it, it's, it, it's like Wilmer Will, or something. I don't know. I can't remember what is it, it is. But it's like Ragosa, isn't he? Is he's? I think he's. Uh, but it's not like it's not a hyphen. It's yeah. It's yeah. One, it's one one reinvented. There's oh. so many options. This is all. We're all dismantling the patriarchy. Yeah. Exactly. This Expectations. So. Um, so you grew up in New York. Yeah. Um, how did you get into, when did you start playing drums? How about that? I started, let's see, uh, around, it's so, it's so funny. I actually, I was, uh, so I played in the Beastie Boys. That was my first band. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was about 13 when I started to go out to seek bands. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, I thought I was like, oh, I must have been like 14, 15. But then recently I found like a note that was, I found like all this, all these old letters. And I found these like notes I would pass back and forth between my friends in high school and classes. Mm-hmm. And I had written this long letter to a friend of mine expl- uh, talking about the first time I ever went out to CBGB's to see a band. And I looked at it, I had dated it, and I was like, oh my God, I was 13. Wow. And um, I told my mom this reason. I was like, I was 13, I went to CBGB's. And the night in this letter, I talk about how I saw Clem Burke, who was a drummer from Blondie. He was there, and I got his autograph. And then I write, and all night he was smoking pot and doing coke. <laughs> And it was a sort of matter cool of fact. Cool New York yeah. kid stuff. But uh, so, yeah, I grew up in the, down in the village, and uh, I started to see bands. And the first band I ever saw was a band called The Student Teachers, and they had a girl drummer and a girl bassist. And uh, something about that just, like, clicked to me, and I was, like, really, really into music. And I knew I wanted to, I don't know, I just thought I could be in a band. Like, these, these were, yeah. this band, the kids, they were only, like, a couple years older than me. And uh, I, like, vaguely knew one of them. Uh, the drummer sang in the same choir as I did. So, <laughs> you know, this, I was like inspired. So you're and like, then, this is in my world. I could be yeah. in this world. And um, like music was, the first, seeing bands and music and, and like sort of the late punk scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the records that made me like first, that first exciting thing that made me like, oh, 
Yeah, you know. Yeah, a lot of the uh, reading about a lot of the stu- the bands that are on this the playlist that we're going to talk about that we've assembled. Yeah. Um, so many of them are, are the stories are like these girls were going to shows and seeing bands and being like I want to do that, but these bands don't look like me. Right. So I think I can. Right, 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 right. Um, well, luckily I was uh, yeah, able to see bands that did look like me or, or similar age or or uh, similar skill level, which mm-hmm. is you know it's like punk rock times, as you know, that you didn't have to be the best musician in the world; you just had to be able to play passionate. a beat. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, be passionate and play a beat uh, and play kind of fast. Mm-hmm. So uh, shortly after that, there was like this. I, I think I borrowed a drum from a neighbor, and then uh, this friend of my mom's asked if they could leave a drum kit at my house. We lived in this loft. Which Can is, you? Yeah. And she was, and I, she at the time I was already interested, in, and my mom was like, "Yeah, sure." She was like going away for for a year or something, and um, we can, you can leave it at our house if Kate can play on it and learn how to play. So I would just play along to records and that kind of thing. And um, going out to see bands, there was just there was a bunch of kids my age from all over the city who would go to see the same kind of bands. And eventually we just became friends, and um, I met the guys who eventually became the Beastie Boys. We started in a different band. We were we were a more serious band called <laughs> <laughs> called the Young Aborigines, which mm. was kind of like a post punk like public image. Susie and the Banshees, like kind of tribal and okay, like pretentious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we rehearse up at my friend's house, and then we would be done rehearsing, and then we'd all switch instruments. I was playing percussion in the band. So I'd switch to drums, and the drummer would start singing, which is Mike Diamond, now of the Beastie Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we would make fun of punk bands, because we were all into seeing bands. But we would just, there was like a whole crop of this, like, hardcore, which was sort of mm-hmm, new. Mm-hmm. And we just thought it was so, kind of silly. So we'd make up these songs that were just about the silliest things, like the Chinese restaurant, or the bodega, or a farm. But if our friends all worked on a farm, like, this really <laughs> stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Beastie Boys, that, that, that became the Beastie Boys. So it started off as a joke. Mm-hmm. And then we played a show, and then people liked it, and they were like, why don't you record a record? Like, it was just one of those things. And I think it's always kind of been a joke, but also, <laughs> like... So was it when, when the joke started taking off instead of this thing that you were being serious about, was there any kind of regret or tension? Like, hmm, man, but what about our real thoughts? I think, well, no, it, well, the other band played a couple of shows and then we just, I don't know, we just had more fun as the Beastie Boys, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I realized looking back is that I've always been attracted to music, but also comedic music. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think if, if, if something's too serious, it kind of bums me out a little bit, so... And the Beastie Boys. I mean, I think they're like the first Beastie Boys album, licensed to ill, which I have nothing to do with, um, is one of the funniest comedy albums ever. If you look at it that way, it's like they're they were putting on this persona, this like meathead persona, uh, which they became for a while, but then they they came back. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, when you have a whole in- entertainment industry telling you to be that yeah, and yeah. rewarding you greatly for it, it would be hard not to for a little while at least. But like even all the all the records are just like the the references, all the crazy pop culture references, and like mm-hmm. the joke, like they're just fucking geniuses. I mean, that's true of a lot of hip hop, also. Um, yeah, you know, and it, that's what I do now. With yeah, injecting jokes into. I love it. Um, but uh, so yeah, Beastie Boys was my first band. I was in only I they let they let me go. When they they switched directions, it became a rap band, and that was never that was not something I could do. Couldn't mm-hmm. hang with the rap, uh, loved it, but could never write raps. And those guys were so good at it, and they were just writing really great, creative, funny things. And I was just like, "Um, oh, Kate, you're me." <laughs> so it's not good. Like, this isn't. Uh, I don't think I like my own flow. <laughs> not, yeah. I'm not a lyrics person. Um, and then I continued to play with different people, and then eventually uh, Luscious Jackson, also girls that I knew from New York growing up, and uh, similar influences like the Beastie Boys, just like 
uh, hip hop and pop and punk and reggae, like everything kind of mixed together. So that's, and then we, you know, we had a run in the 90s mm-hmm. and we play every once in a while here mm-hmm. and there. Um, yeah. So we, when I was 13, I snuck out and went to a Ramon show. That's fun. Um, yeah. Uh, I think it was, it was one of their birthdays because I remember yelling happy birthday out the window of the club at them. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, my mom's not listening, right? Yeah. So yeah, I snuck out and went to that. Um, but then also I got into Luscious Jackson. And oh, yeah. And that was what I was listening to. And I was like, oh, hey, a girl can play drums. And I started playing drums. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. I think you told me that. Uh, not well. Don't pl- I don't play them well, but I play them passionately. That's all you need. Exactly. It's punk rock. Start a punk rock band. Yeah. So what I'm saying is the circle of dismantling the patriarchy yes. is alive. Yes. And, and thriving. Uh, you want to get into this playlist? Yes. Okay. You're starting? I'm starting. <clears throat> all right. So the first song, um, let me get my list. The first song is Oh Bondage Up Yours by the X-Ray yes. Specs. <laughs> Drum roll on this. <laughs> yeah. There's so much good stuff in this. These are, these are going to be, this playlist is going to be a, a little hard to talk over. <laughs> a little harder than some of them. I love a good punk saxophone. Which That's you know. what I was, uh, that was what I was about to say. I love yeah. that there's a punk sax in this. I like that, and I feel like there are so many um, punk girl singers that are just belting their songs. They're, I mean, yeah, it's a little screamy, but it's, it's like belting. But the, she's like literally like 13, I want to yeah. say. Well. 14, 15? I think, 13, no, 14, I think she was 20, actually. When they recorded this? Um, I believe so. She was a youngin. Yeah. She was like girl with braces and like, mm-hmm. she was definitely one of those people. Polystyrene. That, polystyrene. Mm-hmm. That we see pictures of and be like, yeah, she's one of us. Like, she's a girl with braces and like funny curly hair and mm-hmm. yeah i this was this album was one of the i think it was the first album i ever bought um import album mm. with uh i think my sister even might have given me like ten dollars or something for my birthday yeah and i went to crazy yetis <laughs> and i didn't i just bought it because the album cover looks so cool and mm-hmm. i think i'd heard the name but I, you know it was before on the internet so well, we, that's, that's we couldn't hear what it sounded like unless someone played it. But but I was just like I the cover. If, if you look if you look at the playlist and look at the cover, they're all like in test tubes, and it's mm-hmm. just amazing. Yeah, it's a very cool cover. It's a cool album. Um, and yeah, when you were talking about uh, becoming friends with people that go to all the same shows, that I also I always think about when I was a teenager and would go to shows. How did I know where they were and who was playing? Like now, people have the internet. It's easy. You know what the you know what's happening. You know how to find it. Whatever. But back then, I'm like, I don't. I have no idea how we used to do well, that. We used to go to record stores. Yes. Yeah. Flyers. Just flyers, flyers everywhere. Yeah. And you get handed a flyer. Mm-hmm. But then also you have friends who are like, Hey, you know about the show on Thursday? And I used to like, pe- oh, people okay. used to like uh, snail mail me flyers for Whoa. their band. And I found that also in this box of stuff, I found like, Dear Kate, I hope you go see my band. Even worse. Wow. And like they're we're working on some new stuff. I'm like, that's who took the time to yeah. fucking write a letter yeah. and send it. But I guess that's how you got people to see stuff. Yeah. It's like an email. Yeah. Or it's like sending out headshots. People used to do that too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> headshots. Um, but yeah, I, this, I remember hearing about the x-ray specs and the raincoats mm. and like checking them both out and being like, mm, I'm going to pick the x-ray specs. But the raincoats also had raincoats are a little, stuff. little. Yeah, extra specs are a little bit more pop and easier to easier on the ears. Raincoats is like a slow burn. You have to kind of get used to their vibe, yeah. their jam. But, but they're also very cool. And they're yeah, they're like the the feminist 
stuff going on in the UK. And also, I think their whole point of view is like, don't learn to play your instruments. Yeah. That's even more of a dismantling. Yeah, it's art. Yeah. Um, Display with passion. Yeah. But I also love, even in the very beginning, um, uh, polystyrene's little, like, squeal. It's it's like a little bird-like. So It's so feminine and angry at the same time that it's very cool to me. Um, There's some radio station here that uses that one, two, three, four as part of their... I was wondering because something. What are they listening to it? I was like, "Is that call?" Yeah, Yeah. like I wonder how many things sample this count because I feel like I hear it way more often than I hear this song. It's yeah, it's something, and I'm like, "Eh, "There's Polly. She's not getting a penny for this." (laughs) Poor Polly. (laughs) Ah, yes, the 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 evolution of contracts with music. Um, Yeah. Also, it's just in in general. The song is about. uh, consumerism and stuff and it, it sounded I think to people when it first came out that it was about bondage and bondage like sex bondage sex yeah but it was but about being bonded to the man yeah exactly not, not in a sexual to way to the system to the system to yeah. the patriarchy well the whole so the germ-free adolescence album has a lot to do with consumerism and their stuff but what I loved about it so I uh, could relate to is she was saying about Woolworths which is a good chain store or I don't know if it's around it's not around anymore Woolworths no like I don't think so I remember it from when I was discount kid, store oh, yeah, yeah. And like uh, toothpaste and like all this kind of stuff, Diglo and blah, blah, blah. So I could, you know, as a child, relate to it. I know about toothpaste. I know about plastic rats. Sure. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's my that's my first pick. Love it. All right. All right. I get to pick. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, the the first pick I I thought we'd start, you know, I needed something to get going. Like if Mm. I'm going to get motivated to dismantle things, Mm -hmm. I need something that like kickstart mm, yeah uh so for me i picked uh, bad reputation by joan jett which i mean just soon yeah yeah as soon as you hear the fucking guitars it's it's great yeah i want to smash stuff yeah <laughs> I love that it can be so punk and angry and so poppy. Yeah. It's just that's my also favorite. straight pop music. That's like Ramones. It's like yeah. my favorite. Yeah. I like the, 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 This is why people are into uh, power chord, four chord rock. Like it, I feel like that's something that's been disparaged, but it's great when you do it right. Joan Jett. So Joan Jett, I love, love, love. Uh, I only belong to two fan clubs in my life. One was Blondie and one was Joan Jett. And uh, so big fan of hers. And um, over the years, like in the 90s, when my band was playing and becoming more popular and having sort of, you know, going to events and things, mm-hmm. um, I met a, a good, really, really good friend of mine was friends with Joan and her manager from some other way. And uh, she she was like, you know, Joan doesn't have a lot of friends. She's like, she lives out in Long Island. She needs, you know, especially female friends. Yeah, female friends who were like, a, same same, you know, world, whatever. She, it's like... Basically, she's trying to set us up on, on a friend, <laughs> a friend date, friend date, <laughs> which she did. A play so, date for grownups. <laughs> so I got to, and I was very excited. And I, you know, I used to see her around, and this. So, I, so I met her, and we hung out a few times. So she's so fucking cool, and she talks just like this. You know, she's this like little badass. Uh, and but she's she's kind of isolated. You know, she's like grew up super young in rock and roll, and has a manager, yeah. this guy named Kenny Laguna, has been with her forever, and. Lives in Long Island in Long Beach, which is sort of like living in Long Beach here. It's just you're not mm-hmm. in the city. And um, she was, she's not, she's not out. I don't know that she still is. Wow, really? She, she's not gay. She's not, no, she's, she's, she's just never, yeah, she's just <laughs> kind of like from a different generation. So mm-hmm. she, yes. So okay. it was like, she was kind of, part of this was also uh, meeting some gay 
girlfriends, mm-hmm. friends, just friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gay, by the way, in case you didn't <laughs> get the point there. Uh, anyway, so we, we hung out a few times, and uh, she's, you know, very cool. But we didn't, like, our sense of humor didn't quite mm-hmm. hook. Like, I'm, like, a, a sarcastic New Yorker, and she's just a little bit more, like, straightforward. So she didn't always, I don't think she always kind of got my point of view, and she always thought I was, like taking the piss and I guess I was but uh-huh. um, but we did hang out a bunch and we got to jam a little bit here and there uh, we uh, did this um, one off night where we played we were doing a, a fundraiser and it was uh, Joan and um, uh, Kathleen Hanna from Bikini Kill uh-huh. okay. and Josephine Wiggs from the Breeders and myself okay. and we played we formed a one night only band called Jock Rock Okay. and we played just stadium favorites because Joan oh. Jett is like you know do you want to touch is like the best thing yeah. that comes on at the, at the basketball yeah, yeah, yeah. game. So we played like rock and roll part two and I don't know what else. Well, we need a, we need a feminist version of, of rock and roll part two. And, well, so that's, so that was pretty awesome. That I got to play yeah. with her and I tried to convince Joan to, uh, at the time there was a thing called Michigan women's festival. Every summer they'd have this like, you know, where women would go into the woods in Michigan and week long of like Indigo girls and like that mm-hmm. kind of band. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to convince her to do, a concert. This is like pr- very pre-Lilith. Yeah, it's pre-Lilith. Mm-hmm. And um, but and I was like, I could. She's like, no, I can't. I can't do it. You know, we've got guys in the band. And I was like, I was like, I can. I can for put sure together. put together a band. I'll play drums. I'll find like mm-hmm. no problem. Like, mm-hmm. we could, but she was. She just wasn't ready to do it. Like she wasn't ready to kind of go there in yeah. politically or uh, whatever. Make that st- uh, stand of allegiance, um, which is like. Something I'm sad about, but you know, whatever. We 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 remain friends friends over time, and uh, every once in a while she'll she'll hit me up. But the weirdest thing is like, <clears throat> in the last few years, uh, since Waze, the Waze mm-hmm. app, mm-hmm. which is like a random thing, yeah, it sounds it makes like you a, drive over people's lawns and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. left turns on people. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So on the Waze, you have you can connect your your contacts to Waze, oh, okay. and then. <laughs> Wait. So one day, ways alerts from Joan Jett. I got a beep beep from Joan Jett, and I was like, "Great! How awesome is that?" Because she's always driving, like she's always on tour. And I guess it's in my in my mind, she's driving the tour bus, like yeah, on tour with heart. So it, so she started messaging me on ways. I don't know if you've ever gotten a message from no. anybody on ways. And I was like, "This is crazy!" And I'm like driving, and like you have a new message from Joan Jett on ways as I'm like trying to find my way home through traffic. And so I'm like. I can't read it while I'm driving. The, why, yeah, why, is like the yeah, why is there a message? Why is there a message up on Waze? So I finally pull over, and she's just like, "Hey, I see you on Waze all the time. What, what are you doing?" You know, and just like so, we started messaging back and forth. And I just got a beep beep from her the other day, which is awesome. I mean, I love that this is the only Bringing person in together. my whole entire life who's ever messaged me on Waze. I bet most people don't even know you can do that. I didn't know you could do that, oh, dude. Joan Jett is down with the <laughs> Waze, me- yeah. which also is the, the exclusive here. Joan Jett is a big Waze. She's messenger. always on Waze, so if you hit her up, she's you know. <laughs> You know how you like to see the little icons yeah, of people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be Joan Chet wow. on tour. Like, that, if you find that she's in town, mob. you should just get, shoot her a message. Is this Joan Chet? Mm-hmm. Beep, beep. Um, <laughs> I, I'm like, which thing to respond to? When you were talking about um, not getting her not getting your sense of humor, um, I, uh, I remember deciding um, like 10 years ago that I wasn't going to say I'm just kidding anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I would just say things. And if you didn't get that it was a joke... That's on you. Yeah. And I lost a lot of friends. <laughs> People were like, you are severe. I'm like, those were jokes. So I had to r- make myself start saying it again, which I hated. But The, the other, I have a, another funny uh, Joan story. It's one of my favorites. And um, I, uh, 
at the same time in the 90s, I was playing a lot of basketball with friends of mine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, God. Did you have a team with Joan Jett and Kathleen Hanna? <laughs> no, that's a different story. But I did, we would go, like, after your basketball, we'd go, we'd do, like, go out to bars and stuff. So mm-hmm. there was one night, a whole bunch of us went to uh, this incredible drag club in New York. That's, I don't think it's not there anymore, called La Escuelita, which is oh, the yeah, I remember best that. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and Joan came. She met us there with, I don't know if she was with somebody. But anyway, she met us there, and my sister... Um, who you met earlier, she was there. My sister was super duper drunk. Um, doesn't drink anymore, but at the time, super <laughs> duper drunk. And uh, she went up to Joan and started to start of chatting her up. And um, my sister didn't recognize her because maybe I think James, maybe she had bleached her hair or something. So she thought she was just one of the girls that I play basketball with. So she's like, What's her name? She's like, Joan. Oh, Joni, what do you do? And <laughs> I play, you know, I play music. <laughs> oh, I got to snort. And uh, so my sister's like, yeah, um, yeah, you play music? Oh, great. Well, my, sis- my sister's in a band, and, you know, they're doing great. Just keep at it. You'll, just keep, you'll, you'll, do, you'll do fine. Yeah, just, just keep at it. Yeah, someday. And so we forever make fun of my sister. Hey, Joni, what, you know, what, what yeah. do you do? Yeah. What, what do you do, Joni? So anyway, God bless. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Joan Jett also was, uh, I love how... In, like aggressive she was about starting a band like she started really young also right well I think uh, Runaways they yeah. were little bitty they were like teenagers, teenagers. and yeah. she was like I'm gonna be in a band I'm gonna find other people to be in the band I'm gonna go on the Sunset Strip and find Kim Fowley and be like put me in a band wow what a crazy scene that was like, right did you see the movie the Runaways movie yeah I think it's pretty accurate I don't know yeah, yeah. It, I, I wanted I wanted more dialogue I felt like <laughs> Just was just talk enough of, for me in it? A lot, a lot of knowing st- yeah, glances. Yeah, it was a lot of that. Um, Fucking Joan Jett. She's the best. Yeah, she's very And she's very cool. in the Rock and, Roll, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which mm-hmm. is very few women. So, Yep. Wrong. Oh, and this was the theme to the to Freaks and Geeks. I think a lot oh, of people yeah. know it from that. Um, and have you ever heard Peaches? Oh, so the weird thing is this is, did we mention it's not on Spotify? Oh, yes. So this is the one that um, you'll have to, I'll have a link to the, uh, to, to a YouTube track of it. I don't know why. I should message her on Waze yes. and ask why she's not on Spotify. But if you can get her to put it on before I release this, that would be a big help. <laughs> certain of her albums, and this is like, there's a bunch of her, her first few albums that are just classics and have the best songs on them, mm-hmm. uh, including I Love Rock and Roll, not yeah. on, not on yeah. Spotify. Which is Nuts. ridiculous. And I don't yeah, know. There's an Avril Lavigne cover of this that is yeah. on Spotify, so few. And I was like, oh, well, maybe we could do Peaches because Peaches did a cover, or uh, used the beginning of the song, mm-hmm. I Don't Give a Fuck, which is basically the lyrics are all just that over mm-hmm. that guitar. Um, but that's not on Spotify either, which mm-hmm. must be something to do with Joan Jett, which, yep. girl, get on Spotify, girl. Yeah. I mean, she's she was on The Muppet Show. Why not be on Spotify? <laughs> um, so, my next pick. Um, is uh, rocketing forward in time a bit. U N I T Y by Queen Latifah. Yay! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also. I also like to make sure I put this song into every makeout mix that I have, just so um, you know the guy knows uh, right up front my attitude. I like to jolt him with a. Who you calling a bitch? Who you calling a bitch? <laughs> Now make out with me. Um, I love this song. Bitch or a hoe. I mean, it's spelling. <laughs> it's feminist. Yeah, um, this was probably one of those first raps that I learned all the words to. Yeah, yeah. And was like, yeah, this is, oh, she gets it. Uh, there are people out there who get it. Because, you know, I mean, with popular music, there was always so much, um, 
it's like kind of the worst part of the patriarchy a lot of times, the way that women are talked about, especially hip-hop. So I was going to say in hip-hop, and she was one of the first female hip-hop artists who made it huge mm-hmm. and and, that, and also took a statement against the bitch and hoe thing. Yep, took, took a specific statement against that. Also, the way she presented herself with the whole queen stuff, mm-hmm. um, it didn't feel like she was there to be evaluated for her body or her sexuality, just for her mind and her voice, um, which was really important to me as a kid. Uh, and yeah, this is... Uh, this got a, the Grammy Award for Best Rap Solo Performance. Nice. Mm-hmm. Came out in 1993. I also like when you have a song you, when there's spelling because I have such a hard time <laughs> remembering lyrics. And if I can spell something, that's mm-hmm. that's a bonus. Yeah, I'm never going to misspell uh, unity or divorce. Um, I might misspell divorce. D-I-V-O-R-C-E, really? I might be think it's S-E. Oh. There's it, also... Uh, that's a head spell check. There's a parody of that song in... A, or a reference to the, of that song in a musical called Starlet Express uh, that's U-N-C-O-U-P-L-E-D, so it can also always spell uncoupled. I got real nerdy there. Um, <laughs> Deep cuts. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's uh, all kinds of weird song uh, musical influences in this weird brain. Well, it's funny when you start thinking about a song, like feminist songs, and mm-hmm. I was like, well, let me think, like, look up, look on Google, like, what, what do people consider feminist songs? Mm-hmm. So many of them are, are actually bashing other women. Yes. And which yes. is kind of, so I tried to not to pick those songs. Yes. Or they're just about guys, which is yes. also something annoying. But this is truly just, uh, it's its like putting guys to task, right? Like, mm-hmm. stop. stop yeah, with their that, that we're supposed silly. to be one community. Yeah, and I and think then, specifically the black community is supposed to be one community. And too. in this, does she have like other, the other ladies of rap with her on this video? I can't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember the video very well. Um, but yeah, queen, but yeah, Queen's the Queen. Yeah. And, Dina. Um, there's a few, I mean, there are other cool rap feminist anthems, um, but this is the one that, just did the best and did the and, and was the most interesting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I feel like she swings from angry to conversational in a cool way within mm-hmm. the song, where she's like, "I'm gonna be angry if I need to be angry, but here's why. I can just tell you and calmly." Then, and then there's a pretty, yeah. pretty saxophone just to yeah. like again take the edge off sax. That's the key to all these songs. You gotta <laughs> have that sax in, in here. Yeah, yeah. sax was. Uh, like seen as a cool, sexy thing. I feel like in the in the eighties, mostly. I remember growing up and being like, "Yeah, sax is uh, like the a Chardonnay kind of deal." Like that. It might have been a might have been more of a Lost Boys sort of thing. Uh, Do they have sax? Oh. oh yeah, they've got a scene where there's a, a shirtless man with a ponytail playing sax on the beach. Oh. Yeah. Um, and as a kid, I was like, "I got it. That's <laughs> rock and roll. Okay, cool." <laughs> um, but now I feel like saxophone is seen as a nerd instrument. Well, I, you know, Kenny G kind of ruined it for everybody. Yeah. But I guess that's a different kind of sex. Yeah, that's, that's the a tenor, pr- right? That's the lily, annoying, so, loud, high one. Yeah. Clarinet. And then the yeah. Clarinet. Yeah, it's like a clarinet. Yeah. Well, that's where the, the sax meets clarinet at the tenor. Yeah. Sax. No. Um, yeah. Th- I also considered uh, um, that salt and pepper song, the, if I want to take a guy home with me tonight, it's none of your business. Yeah, yeah. But it was the same thing. There was like, I don't want it to, I don't, I, I don't want these to be all about dudes and like yeah you you need to have uh, sexual autonomy but I'm so tired of the discussion of feminism and the patriarchy and all of this Hollywood stuff being about men yeah and what men do instead of re-examining how we value women and how and as you're saying like the interaction between them I feel like we've been so uh fragmented um it like 
it legit like breaks my heart that it took it has taken so long for women to start trying to default to being friends rather than competition. And even within this new movement, there's st- like still women who are like bashing women because they're not mm-hmm. doing it right. It's mm-hmm. just like you and ITI people. Why? <laughs> I can't spell. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm the worst. I'm the worst at lyrics and, and not a great speller. Uh, um, well, yeah, we got spell check. We don't need to be good spellers. <laughs> but yeah, that was, well, it, it, there was a response to one of these articles that came out and the people started to get, women started to get really nasty to each other, especially generationally. So I put a thing on Twitter um, I tweeted, uh, "Hey, women over thirty, with something that you wish you had known when you were under, th- before you, when you were younger, when you were in your twenties, uh-huh. um, because I feel like I want younger women to value um, older women's experience mm-hmm. and perspective, and I also want older women to be compassionate about younger women's lack of that yeah, and yeah. and and their their effort. That like I saw these older women also being like, "Hey, like you should know better." To younger women, like, well, wh- how should they? You know better, and if you think they should know something that you know, tell them. Let's, well, let's have a way of telling each other this. I stuff. think growing up, like watching my mom and her generation, uh, which I, I'd say is the second wave of feminism, uh, and I thought it was it seemed so corny, and I couldn't relate. Mm-hmm. And then, but then I kind of like, I of course appreciate it now for sure. And then um, when my band was coming through the '90s, it was like the whole like a riot girl thing, and mm-hmm. and uh, sort of I guess the third wave. Um, so, but I'll talk about that later. Yeah. I have a good song that goes <laughs> okay. with that. All right. Well, yeah, it's just a yeah. Well, and as far as the waves go, I f- I think we also forget, or it's hard to see gener- like if you're in one generation, how the past generations, the, the levels that they had to chip down for you to be at the level where you have these different levels to chip down. You know what I'm saying? Well, even like someone like Joan, who I said wasn't necessarily ready yet to like play yeah. the women's concert and or be out or whatever. But would like that thing just... even exist if she hadn't done the things that she exactly. she did do? So it's like, yeah. And I feel that way with comedy a lot. There are like older female comics that are, you know, great. They're not my cup of tea, but I'm like, thank. Bow down. Yes. Thank God they were there. Thank God they did what they did. Yeah. Um, but side note, how come Judy Tenuta isn't more famous? Um, so why don't you do your next song? All right. What is my next song? My next song. Oh, okay. Here's a good one. Uh, I, I guess this is a kind These of... A, all good ones. Oh, thanks. Uh, this is uh, 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton. Yeah! All right. This is probably the only song that has a typewriter sound in it. She composed it with her acrylic nails. She wrote it in a hotel room, apparently. With a typewriter? No, with her, with her nails. With her nails. Yeah. She's a, all right. Dolly Parton uh, is an absolute genius that everybody needs to bow down to, and I think... She's the best and on so in so many different levels and like oh there's so much stuff that I I feel like the 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 the, the, the so much of feminism has been a women rejecting feminine or has felt like you need to reject femininity to be a feminist and someone like Dolly Parton who embraces almost a, a, a drag queen level yeah, of yeah. femininity and is a feminist is so important. Uh, you know, and I think she becomes the butt of a lot of jokes because mm-hmm. of the way she presented herself. But uh, she was writing songs, she was producing, she was doing all these things. She was like a solo artist in an industry that's incredibly male and incredibly sexist. Mm-hmm. And then 9 to 5, the movie, which is mm-hmm. fucking brilliant, uh, was her acting debut. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But uh, yeah. I'm sure this this song is about men and the patriarchy, all that. But whatever, it's Dolly Parton. Well, she's incredible, and it's also about juggling all the. It's about the, the, the whole having it all thing. The how much uh, women have to think of and manage in the same spaces that men have so much less to think of and manage, and like not getting credit, not getting paid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a very hashtag times up. Mm-hmm. Um, but from whenever this was, when is this? The 80s? Uh, oh yeah, this. Uh, well, this was 1980. Um, so yeah, it was Dolly's first mo- movie role in Nine to Five. Mm-hmm. But even but she um, she only took the role. She said she'd only do it if she was allowed to do the theme song for the movie. Oh, smart! Which, yeah, so smart. She's a badass, she's such a good little business businesswoman. Yeah, brain. Uh, she's but I have seen her play a couple times. One of the best shows. Have you ever seen her play? <laughs> yes, but in a very weird way. I saw her play uh, at a show called Strictly Come Dancing in London. Uh-huh. Is that um, a dance competition? Yeah, it's there, Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. And sometimes they have people play, and so she was playing it, and they needed people to fill out the audience for it. <laughs> so I went and filled out the audience and saw her do her show, her song for the show, and then yeah. she was like, I'll do a couple others also. We were all like, yay, <laughs> we came so far. So I don't know if that counts, but she uh, was still uh, adorable and amazing. If, if she comes back around and does shows, her... Her, um, she played at the Hollywood Bowl last year or yeah. a couple years ago, and um, it's like part performance art and part music. And she tells stories like she literally had like a, a rocking chair or something on stage, uh. and um, she would tell these stories. And she's an incredible t- storyteller, and and she's like filled with all these great country homilies and all these wonderful things. Um, but the genius thing about her, besides the s- stories and the music, and her, she she also she plays saxophone, she plays banjo, yeah. she plays everything. Um, she was wearing this uh, white outfit, head to toe, like a jumpsuit covered Ugh, with with um, crystals, rhinestones, I guess, rhinestones. Yeah. But it was it was something. It was a, it was so shiny that if you tried to take a picture, you it wouldn't she's register. A ghost. She was like it would come out as a big white blur. So uh-huh. it's like you know she's seventy ish. Yeah. So it's kind of smart. Well, yeah. I'm gonna control my my uh, your the image? photos. Yeah. Well, and also I have a whole thing about like like. Be in the moment. Be at a live performance. We, there's almost nothing that is allowed to be, or not almost nothing. There's so many things that where you're not allowed to be in the moment at a performance in a room sharing an experience with a bunch of people. And I think there's something hu- valuable for us as human animals to that. Yeah. Um, and when people pick up their f- cameras and put that in between themselves and the experience, you're 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 sticking yourself on the couch back at home. Right, like, right. This is definitely one of the, one of these shows where everyone was like connected and like people yeah. were looking down down the the rows of seats just like, "Oh my god, crying." Like just it was the best. That happened um, when I saw Janet Jackson also. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I also would recommend uh so when Luscious Jackson would tour early on, we Did were, you tour with Dolly Parton? We did not tour with Dolly okay. Parton. Uh, but before we were at the tour bus level, we were at like the RV level, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is which is super luxe compared to the van level, which mm-hmm. is the level before. So RV, we'd all um, you'd still have to like listen to the same music, or whatever. It was I don't know. We'd pick. There were certain things we'd pick that we'd all agree upon. Dolly Parton was one of them. But also, we would listen sometimes to books on tape, and there was a Dolly Parton. I love that. <laughs> there was a Dolly Parton <laughs> autobiography uh-huh. that she reads that is. Genius, and oh. she tells the best stories about growing up. You know, she grew up in the mountains in in um, yeah, yeah, Tennessee, yeah. I guess, in uh-huh. uh, Smoky Mountains, and yeah, near, uh, like near a, Pigeon Forge, I assume. Yeah, seven hundred people living right together there. in yeah. one room. Yeah, so she told all these stories, and those great stories about. Um, and then we just we were just really obsessed with her 
uh, at, for like one tour. Mm-hmm. And we were, uh, so the band, we were all out to dinner one, one day in Portland, which is very much Portlandia. Yeah. We were at like a health food restaurant in mm-hmm. Portland. Mm-hmm. And we were all sitting around at, uh, the band and our crew or whatever having dinner and we're talking about the story the Dolly Parton story that she where she learned about the birds and the bees <laughs> and she learned it by watching the cows and the pigs sure. and whatever yeah. and uh, country girl stuff something uh, some, there was something about somebody putting peanut butter on it was like one of those stories right so we're talking about okay. it like loudly in Portland at a healthy restaurant and some guy at the table next to us goes oh my god would you shut the fuck up and it just Ugh. like talk about dismantling yeah. the patriarchy we're like it couldn't it was the most portland experience you could have that yeah. some got somebody's going to be offended by a story that, that's yeah. anyway man i cannot tell you how frustrating it is uh writing things for tv um how often stuff about female sexuality or genitalia gets cut for being too dirty whereas male genitalia and male sex they're it's never it's never seen as scandalizingly dirty and right. I, i've sent emails being like i just i understand the cuts that need to be made i just want to point out this word and this word yeah, and the yeah, reaction yeah. to this word and, and they're like well no that one is just that's you picked a dirty word for that part i'm like yeah, which, can't handle a, which the, word would have been gene. okay yeah exactly there's no word that like downstairs your flower like what d- Whereas the little man in the boat yeah exactly there's a huge list of girl of boy parts that they're like those are just funny well, if you ever have uh, the ability to find this Dolly Parton autobiography with her reading it, it's the best, yeah. best thing. I, and, and it was also like cassettes, so mm-hmm. it was like seven cassettes, like one of those yeah, things. Yeah, I remember getting this from the library. Yeah, for, for it's probably trips. in the library. That's yeah. probably the only place you can get it. It's, pro- I would, it's probably, uh, they've got streaming stuff. I, no, I'm not sure. Um, I, it reminds Write me, your senators, let's get it out there. <laughs> in like going through tracks and stuff for this, Um I was like, okay, what did I? What was I into? What did I listen to at, at formative years? And for a little while, I was like, is there any? Is there Laurie Anderson? No, wait, that's not. That's <laughs> not even music. We're, we're not doing a spoken word thing. What am I doing? But I, I threw it far afield to come up with the list. Um, but yeah, spoiler: there's no, there's no Laurie Anderson or spoken word tracks on this playlist. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. No, we're, I think you know, for me, I wanted to get pumped up mm-hmm. and. And not have to think too too much about it. <laughs> I was also a little concerned about um, accidentally picking songs that you might have played on. Uh-huh. Um, oh, so that I played on? Yeah. So oh. I think I didn't. Um, okay. But I was like, or or just like bands that you would have played with or anything. So I'm like, I don't mind. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, okay. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I you know. Um, but oh, uh, the other some interesting thing about well, there's a lot of interesting things about Nine to Five the movie, but it was produced by. Um, Produced and developed by Jane Fonda. Yeah. She, she was like, I want to. I want something about this world. I've heard office workers talking about this. Um, like <laughs> she's it, heard about it because she's never been in yeah, an office. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. But she at one point, like, I think initially it was going to be a drama and then a very, very dark comedy where they do murder the uh, boss. Mm-hmm. Um, but so she was always going to play her role. And it was written for Dolly and um, Lily Tomlin. But they were like, we should have backups just in case they can't do it. And the backup for Lily Tomlin was Carol Burnett, which that makes sense. Been, yeah. right? And the backup for um, Dolly Parton was uh, Anne Margaret. Not the same, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm glad we got the version that Someone's we got. Someone's doing a remake, of, or not a remake, a uh, reboot? Not a reboot. What is it? It's like a yeah. next chapter of oh, 9 a to sequel? 5. A sequel. Hmm. Is, that, is that the word? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's um, the word. Is it a sequel? Yeah. 
I read uh, like a paragraph uh, in something that that uh, and then that those three uh, Dolly, Lily, mm. and uh, Jane will will be in it, but it's not about them. So it's like a new generation. Mm. I've been uh, just like, please be good. I've been. Uh, whining about uh, Grace and Frankie for all of the seasons that have existed. Like, where's Dolly? When's Dolly going to show up? Yeah, what the hell? When is she going to? Came- I think a they, lot of people have been like, "Hey, come on!" They say they she's mentioned- too busy. Yeah, which I believe it. She's incredibly busy, and you know, uh, yeah, she's doing way too much. Oh, also, Sheena Easton. The year this came out, also released a song called Nine to Five, uh, first in the UK, and then when she tried <laughs> to release it here. <laughs> They were like, yeah, she was like, yeah, clearly no one is going to listen to this other 9 oh, to 5. Hilarious. So changed it to um, uh, Morning Train 9 to 5. So Morning Train was originally called 9 to 5. Oopsie. Yeah. Um, anyway, my next choice. Your turn. Okay. Um, so, okay, I'm just going to Rebel Girl by Bikini Kill. Yeah. Okay. I'm like looking to you for approval. Is that okay that I have it? Okay. Because I think it's a great one. Yeah. Nineteen ninety-three, produced by Joan Jett. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were good friends. Yep. That girl thinks she's the queen of the neighborhood. She's got the hottest track in town. That girl, she holds her head up so high. I think I wanna be a best friend. Okay, so that <laughs> that line. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a sensitive person who ha- who feels the feelings, <laughs> and there are a lot of weird things that become little cry triggers for me. Uh-huh. Where I'm like, <laughs> oh, I see a little and, something. Yeah, and that that line, the um the uh, after those three lines of like, oh, she thinks she's so great. They're like, I want to be her best friend. Mm-hmm. I'm like. <laughs> Well, that's the way we should be thinking. Yeah, yeah. And that was like very revolutionary for me. Um, and it's like a it's a twist on the female bashing yeah, song, which yeah. is what everyone thinks these feminist songs are, but they're not. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's saying unity. like these are all these things that are people say about things. her. Are yeah, yeah those are exactly things. the reasons why I like her so much and think she's great. And like, yeah, you should. I mean, one of the things that I think poisoned me and um, so many people, so many women, was that concept of she thinks she's so great. Um, growing up, always feeling like you're not supposed to think that you're great, um, or you're supposed to, or when someone acknowledges it or wants to help it along, you're supposed to downplay it and be like, no, 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 it's no big deal. Because you're not, because that's a male thing, to because it's too braggy for a girl? Yeah, yeah, that it's, um, yeah. To have confidence and... Yeah, well, and that you're, you're, it's as though you're trying to put yourself above other people, which we're not supposed to do. We're supposed to be supportive and mm-hmm. supporting other people. Um, and, uh, yeah, I... I'm glad that I don't have that as much anymore. And when I feel it, I'm like, no, shut up. Yeah, I, I am great. I'm cool. Somebody was talking about they were trying to tell somebody uh, that they needed to stop saying I'm sorry in every mm. conversation. Well, that was like my um, just kidding. Um, yeah. I remember having – I had a I, – you know, I was, yeah, you make a statement, then I'm sorry. Yeah. And you're like, no, you're, don't yeah. be sorry. Yeah. You're, you're thinking something. Yeah, I remember my little band having a fight uh, – our, our saw player was would say, "I'm sorry" all the time. <laughs> Did you say you saw, yeah. saw player? Yeah, saw saw, saw player. She played two saws. Becky Poole. She plays a, a tenor and a bass saw. Wow. Um, we also had a theremin player, so that's nice. kind of like having an acoustic and an electric. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a lot of yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of uncontrollable sounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they got pretty good at controlling them. Yeah. Um, and Becky would say, "I'm sorry" so often. We we're finally one day we had like 
a, a little band altercation where we're like, just stop saying it. Just stop saying I'm sorry. And she was like, I'm sorry. And we're like, no, you can't say you're sorry for saying you're sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember that being, I think, probably not what the fight was actually about emotionally. <laughs> was this an all-girl band? Yeah. Well, people ask, I mean, I'm sure people ask you about being in an all-girl band. They're like, is it different than being with guys? And it is. Mm -hmm. It is because there is a lot of discussion. Mm -hmm. And that's not, I mean, in my experience. But yeah. And a lot of emotional. And, and feelings, yeah. Yeah. And like, not even always discussing that, but like emotionally, like mm, sleuthing them out in a way that I think guys don't bother. That guys don't seem to have as much yeah, problems <laughs> just saying how they feel about something mm -hmm. or whether they like something or not, and then also letting it go and moving on. Mm -hmm. But yeah, in the girl the girl vibe band thing, there's a lot of like not telling anybody what you really feel and then stewing about it and then it exploding mm -hmm. in some weird way. Yep. Um, or there's just a lot of discussion. Yeah. But uh, it's kind of fun band too. meetings. A lot of, a lot of band meetings band for meetings. us. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was it was very fun because for us it wasn't like what we really did. We're a bunch of comedians, and we were like, "Haha, what if we tried this?" And then ended up committing to it for like four years, where we would go to this practice space and practice all the time and play a few and just, shows and not practice, just talk about things. Talk there was a feelings. lot of that, um, especially because I was behind the drums, and so I had a mic just positioned in front of my face and could everybody would we would stop playing a song and I'd be like, "Okay, so anyway, guys." Um, <laughs> I didn't tell you about that date this past weekend. And somehow, like, microphone? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, you don't have to talk in the microphone. I'm like, well, I'm not going to move it. Yeah, might as well. Yeah. Uh, that's the funnest, though. I mean, even so, Luscious Jackson, we broke up in 2000, but we've played a few few shows since. Yeah, you played, was it last summer or the summer before? Something like okay. that. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. We played, it was during our hiatus, and I was played, like, yeah. oh, God, do I go all the way to New York? Don't come on. Don't be weird. Don't do it. Don't do we, it. Uh, we, yeah, so we've played uh, shows in here and there, but we have to get together to rehearse, mm -hmm. and um, which is sort of like cramming in rehearsal. They all live in New York, so I'll fly to New York and rehearse with like for like a week or whatever. Um, but immediately, the dumbest jokes that were like make us laugh from... 20 years ago are still in play and like someone just says oh Jen says hi whatever like some yeah. stupid joke and it's just the best and mm -hmm. like crying we we're like playing crying laughing it's just I don't know there's nothing like that and then you have an instrument in front of you it's like the best best world of laughing and playing yeah, music yeah I'm yeah down. I guess there are some regular people who just see friends socially and just talk and then that and I'm like yeah but what's the project what, would, you, would you just <laughs> hang out and not make something? You're not making a comic book? Maybe somebody, yeah, somebody get a get get some uh, markers or uh, or a ukulele or something so we can <laughs> have saw. a reason to be friends. Yeah. Are there any other tools you can play as an instrument? Uh, people, so I know. Well, percussionists sometimes line up the little keys, right? And keys? Yeah, I've seen people who use uh, keys instead of um, wind chimes. So like I don't know that keys are considered a tool. Okay. Well, you can get them at a hardware, hardware store. store. Okay. Mm. Um, they're, they're the tool you use to open a door. Oh, mm. all right. Um, anvil. Yeah. There's okay. the anvil chorus. Um, but yeah, probably the saw is the big standout. <laughs> <laughs> Washboard. Oh, yeah. Is that a tool? For washing things. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. What's your next song? So my song kind of builds off of your song, mm -hmm. your last song. This is um, uh, after Bikini Kill, Kathleen Hanna uh, started a band called La Tigra. And the song that I picked is called Decepticon. Yeah. Which... Smashing things, smashing things.
let her sing. Hmm? Let's get, let's get into the vocal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also, I love, I love this production. It's so many different, yeah. So the reason why I picked this song, mm-hmm. which is maybe not the most, maybe not the, like, I feel like Bikini Kill is like, a, obviously you're going to pick yeah, Bikini right, Kill. Yeah, right, girl. You got to have the but heart and soul right. For girl. me, Look Tigra is like, so so uh, being in a band in the 90s and touring and doing interviews, uh, an all-girl band in the 90s, mm-hmm. the questions that we'd get a lot of times, the like the dumber questions would be like, are you guys uh, like the Spice Girls? <laughs> Or no, which you, did you like? Which one of you is which? Which yeah, is or just, baby? Which is scary? That kind are you, of stuff. Are you like the American Spice Girls? Or oh God. are you a Riot Girl band? Uh-huh. Right. So I feel like La Tigra is like the perfect in between mm-hmm. of they're they're like super poppy, uh, and they're of course have Riot Girl uh, roots. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this song uh, Decepticon is always like a, like a, like we put on at a party. Everyone goes bananas. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 as I said before, I'm not great with lyrics, so I never know what anyone's singing about. So I had to go look and see. I was like, is this a feminist song? I don't even know what it's about. <laughs> so I looked it up. It's not necessarily like a, a smash the patriarchy, but it definitely gets you going. And, um, well, and it's also uh, like, a, I think at a certain point, a female point of view kind of is feminist. Yeah. Like, especially in, in the music world. And it's Kathleen Hanna with her incredible vocals, uh, which is, I think... You know, harkens back to X-ray specs. It's just sort mm-hmm. of that great squealing, wonderful. Um, but they're they're uh, again, then they were some kind of experimental and artsy and what the electro clash prototype music. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can I do was, a whole dance routine to the song, which is like, <laughs> you definitely can. I'm sure people have. <laughs> um, yeah, I, on, on one of my first podcasts, we talked about how like it, I, I I miss the uh, that part of growing up where you would spend some time putting together a dance routine for your favorite song just because you needed to I believe and that, then showing it to a friend I believe that there if if you watch the video for the song I think that's all it is is a yeah. dance routine no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you're right in matching costumes yeah. which I appreciate but but I don't I also want to just point out I love the Spice Girls <laughs> so it wasn't like if they'd asked us about the Spice Girls it would just kind of like no we're not like the Spice Girls but uh we also went through a period that my band Luscious Jackson uh where we recorded a whole album and in the background, we had a TV on, and we had two movies playing, mm-hmm. and it was either Spice World, which is a Spice Girls mm-hmm. movie, which is... People of the world! Yeah, brilliant. And uh, what's the Al Pacino cocaine movie? <laughs> was Carlito's Way? No, no, no. no wait. Um, wait, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, tell me, Aristotle, you know. Scarface. 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 So those are the two movies in rotation nice. as we were recording uh, one of our albums. So if you look back, I have to figure out what album that is. It, may, it might make sense, but uh, we just love the Spice that, Girls. That's the alchemy that makes them. Uh, uh, Luscious Jackson. Luscious Jackson. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is uh, a lot of cocaine, a lot of Spice Girls. Mm-hmm. It, cocaine is in a way uh, spice. Um, <laughs> I Yeah, th- well, I loved the Spice Girls also, obviously. Um and obviously well i mean i'm a human um <laughs> and at that time they were girl, girl power. power and that was very important to yeah. me um but i do feel like it was that that was the beginning of this path of like i almost picked there's a song called uh, can't hold us down by um christina aguilera mm-hmm. that i was like well i kind of want to acknowledge that this is this was a feminist song done by Christina Aguilera with mm-hmm. like a little Kim verse in it which and i think like with the mid aughts early aughts but I also feel like that was this era where all of the riot girl stuff and all of the feminist stuff that 
that wave of feminism that had been building was just totally pushed aside. Yeah, it was a post-Lilifair backlash. Yeah, 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 where it was like like real low-slung jeans and hair and extensions and try to be sexy all the time, sexy babies. Um, <laughs> sexy babies, yeah. There was a lot of sexy babies, yeah. and I don't want to. And I, I think that, I think that didn't do good things for us. But then I also feel like I I, I don't want to play into that like anti woman thing. Right, like, right, right, right. Hey, if you are a sexy baby lady, <laughs> go on with your bad sexy baby self. You know, I don't want to I don't want to judge you for it. But I also don't like these like record companies and entertainment companies shoving that image down young girls' throats. So. That's, and I don't think that's what the Spice Girls ever wanted. It's girl power. They're yeah. still all about it. Yeah, they're they're coming back. Yeah, are they? Uh, maybe. Hmm. There's rumors. Yeah. Mm. I'll see them uh, for sure. Yeah, uh, Decepticon. Great song. Yeah. And yeah, I felt a little self conscious about putting on a, a Kathleen Hanna song, knowing that you had this one on there. And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we... she should get double shout out. Yeah. Right. Double shout out. Okay. Punk Good. singer. See it. Uh, um, so I also felt like I w- needed to have some sort of, um, while this is like a, a, an upbeat kind of like smash in the patriarchy mm-hmm. playlist for the most part, felt like I needed to have some sort of acknowledgement of all of the folk a slow jam <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And in this era, uh, especially like focusing on 90s stuff, um, although it's not entirely that, uh, I feel like I couldn't have made... Uh, the next song is uh, Not a Pretty Girl by Ani DeFranco. I know you love your Ani. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely wrote essays about this in high school. I was like, mm, yeah, wow, this is not like what's on the radio. So, uh, yeah. 1995. I am not a pretty girl. That is not what I do. I ain't no damsel in distress And I don't need A talented person mm-hmm. So put me down, punk um, What would you, what was your essay about? You Just like Ly- decon- lyrics? Yeah, or? about lyrics And I think it was about this song It was either this or 32 Flavors um, mm-hmm. But off of the same album But um yeah, I I think that she has such an, a weird, interesting tone to her voice, and I and in this one it um, kind of sounds like uh, almost a, a bearing of the teeth in a way mm-hmm. that I like, while still being a slow, uh, folky kind of song. Um, and like I really like the lyrics. I I'm not a pretty, I'm not an angry girl, but it seems like I've got everyone fooled. Every time I say something, they find hard to hear. They chalk it up to my anger, um, and that's like I I really don't. One of, my, one of the other things I hate about the patriarchy is our <laughs> our anger being uh, taken from us um, as women, and like we're we're not allowed to be angry because it's um, a, it's either unattractive on one scale, side of the scale, and on the on the other side, it's uh, pathologized. It's like you're crazy. Oh, you're angry. Oh, well, no. it takes the message out. I think I think people who like let's say when it like a teenage boy who doesn't necessarily isn't wise to the world and they hear the word feminist they mm-hmm. just think a bunch of angry women mm-hmm. so it just like shrinks it down to a very specific thing without any yeah. deepness when i w- i was working on a show called uh, totally biased it was this very very left wing version ish of the daily show was, was sort of how they uh, 
presented it and pitched it. Um, and I was a correspondent on it. There were three female correspondents. And for our pieces, they were always, the, the producers were always like, we, we need you guys to come out there angrier, like really like like <laughs> pop, you know, like a lot of energy at the top of it. Just like you, you're kind of being uh, kind of jokey about what you don't like. And, uh, and we're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, we need to explain to you the our entire existence as women, <laughs> why that's important. Because um, if you have a feminist woman come out and be like angry right off the bat, that's that's exactly what people think they're going to see, and they turn off immediately. Right, right, right. Even in this world, even in this, we're very progressive, uh, very liberal world. There's still a huge swath of that that's like yeah but women calm down don't get so angry calm down that's like the worst thing to say yeah 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 uh i feel and also there's this there's obviously women uh folk singers and groups like indigo girls and Mm -hmm. and so forth and so on who've been making incredible albums for decades Mm -hmm. and then in the last in the aughts there was like a whole time there was a whole uh movement of like male folk artists that were being played on like oh yeah like fun and I don't know you mm-hmm. think of all mothers. the songs about like but they're like songs about like talking girls into or like sleeping with them I feel like it's well, like, you know me I'm not listening to lyrics mm-hmm. but the sound wise it's the mm-hmm. same like it, there was I can't remember who it was there was somebody who had a song that was popular uh, being played and I was like this is this the Ind- this could be the Indigo Girls like mm-hmm. it's not it's not it's not fair it's just fucked up because it had to be some like cute guy yeah but it's the same instrumentation the same kind of emotional lyrics. I didn't realize they were trying to sleep with a girl, but yeah. Well, like that's just always my joke about John Mayer specifically. Yeah. That I feel like his sounds sound his songs sound like he's trying to talk a girl into sleeping with him without waking up her dorm room roommate. <laughs> like, hey, girl, come on, take your pants off. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's well, that that is. I think that's attractive to female fans from men in a lot of chant a lot of situations. They're like, oh yeah, he's so emotional. Yeah. He's got his little guitar. And, yeah, I mean, I was a huge Indigo Girls fan, uh, saw them live a number of times. Isn't the best, I've, I've seen them a bunch, too. Uh, one of my favorite things to go when I see, see them is to see, like, the straight men in, the, in there just singing along to all these songs. It's just for something that's very, like, it's, yeah. it's like, couldn't be the, it's like the, probably the most uncool thing in the world, but it's the best thing in the world. I have a friend who's a straight man who followed them on tour like they were the Grateful Dead. For a whole summer. As they he was, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I toured with the Indigo Girls. And I was like, oh, my God, what did you do? And he's like, no, no, I just drove behind them and went <laughs> to every like, show. You thought he was a crew yeah, person? like, <laughs> wow, okay, you're very into them. I'm very into them. Well, okay. I think that's the cutest. Yeah, it really is. Um, but, yeah, I, I love them also. And, um, I mean, even Joni Mitchell, I keep putting on playlists and people are like, oh, okay. And I'm like, Gee, she's a genius. Yeah, she's a genius. She, she was someone who I came to later in life. I didn't, my brain couldn't quite process where, where she's coming. But now as an older lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you've seen the world from both sides now. That's right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, the, but the folk the the folk thing really pisses me off just as far as like well why and is, why is fun who sounds just like Ch- Tracy Chapman I yeah. mean like literally the singer sounds like Tracy Tra- Chapman there are a lot of Tracy Chapman jams almost oh. made it on this um, but yeah and also funk um, folk punk punk folk like we the Billy Bragg gets to be respected but I feel like Ani DeFranco is kind of a little bit of a mm-hmm. punchline. Yeah. Um, Fuck this. So we have to dismantle the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> flip this table. And, and... Oh, wait. Yeah, oh, yeah. we can start here. Okay, yeah. <laughs> dismantle the patriarchy studio first. There's probably not a lot of 
male energy in Meltdown comics. Yeah, no. I mean, the comic book world is very, has always been dominated by women. <laughs> Can't even get through that. Um, all right, next song is yours. Oh, okay, let's see. My next song. Oh, okay. So this is uh, this is a good punk, punk punky reggae jam mm-hmm. by one of my all-time favorite groups called The Slits. Um, and the song is Typical Girls. This is a. Uh, I said I like go through the course. Uh, it's we can. It's a. Uh, it's from 1979, off of the cut. Um, yeah. So uh, Slits were this incredible all-girl punk band. Although they had a guy drummer uh, for this album. Uh, Token man. To, well, he just played on the album. Uh, this Budgie, who played drums for Susie and the Banshees. Mm-hmm. Um, they were one of the credited to be one of the first uh, girl punk bands mm-hmm. uh, coming out of the London punk scene. Mm-hmm. They and, toured with The Clash. <clears throat> and I think even Sid Vicious played in some version of that. Like, they're, they're mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, legit. legit. Uh, and they did, they their music sort of moshed up a little bit of a reggae influence and punk. And, uh, that was happening a lot in London. Yeah. Because yeah. of, yeah, the influx of uh, uh, and Jamaicans. And, yeah. um, and literally, m- me and all my friends, my girlfriends at the time, would dress up like them, kind of like they were our Spice Girls. Uh-huh. And um, we'd be like, well, I'm going to be Ari Up, and you can be Tessa. Like, literally, that's what we were doing. In the, it's really? copying their style and all this stuff. And um, their album cut is, the cover is the three of them um, covered in mud, mm-hmm. naked, yeah, yeah. but covered in mud with like a loincloth on. And it was just like the coolest image ever. It's and they're tribal. Just, yeah, totally mm-hmm. tribal. And... Kind of sexy, but not sexy. Like just because they were so strong, and the, they're like looking off, and I don't know. It's everything about it was just really influential, and the sound, and um, they kind of mix different styles and all that. Uh, but typical girls. It's I, at first I was like, oh, this, is this a female bashing song? Because the lyrics are are mm-hmm. basically describing what a typical girl is, which is like they can't drive. Um, they're not whatever all these different things then I realized that's actually what they're the point of view of the song is is that's what the world thinks typical mm-hmm. girls are and yeah. they're a very good, good example of not they're like who invented the typical, typical girl blah 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 yeah um, yeah the, um, this is actually the midst of our girl block in this uh, playlist because we just had not a pretty girl and the typical girls and there's another girl song next. Oh, okay. um, but I think uh, not a pretty girl I had uh, an issue of that also. I'm like, oh, what's wrong with pretty girls? And in that song, she she does the same thing where she, well, she calls it out. Like, maybe there's no such thing. But at the end, like, maybe there's no such thing as a damsel in distress. Maybe right. kittens up trees can find their way out on their own. Um, so, yeah, I feel like these those are songs where they have to address, they're getting in front of what people, what they think people think of them and address it directly. And the slits, yeah, the slits are... Definitely, like, for anybody who's interested in punk or, or that whole time, like, you got, you have, Cut is an amazing album. And there's songs about shoplifting, there's songs about the radio, there's, like, songs about uh, getting harassed on the bus mm-hmm. um, by men, whatever. Like, this just, it's all, and it all stands. Like, it all sounds fresh and relatable and, and uh, you don't listen. It's, it's, they're still very unique. Like, there's not, there's nobody sounds like this, I don't think. Yeah. What? 
How did you find out about them? The record store or, yeah, or from I guess friends? I don't, even, I don't even remember, but it just, yeah. Because that's the other thing. The overseas scenes, it's like without the internet. Well, How would we have? Well, yeah, I guess like we would we would go to record stores and you'd hear something played or you see you'd see the poster like and, mm-hmm. and I'd see the cover of this album, yeah. And um, like my uh, one of the guys in the Beasties, Adam Yauk, who's no longer with us, but his the only poster he had hanging on in his in his bedroom was uh, the sl- a slits poster, which wasn't the naked one. It was just like a different slits poster. But I was like every we all loved them, boy, girl. It didn't matter. They were just like the coolest. So. That was what was cool also about the Beastie Boys when I got to, when we became friends is we loved the raincoats, we loved the slits, like there was no, nobody, there was no judging anybody on male-female terms, so yeah, that's how I was, the drummer for, for Beastie Boys, it, there was no irony there, it was just, I just was. In. Yeah. yeah, yeah, in my uh, college dorm room, the posters that I had up were a Beastie Boys poster and a hand-lettered hand uh poster that I, I had made of the fear mantra from Dune, um, which is one of the nerdiest things ever. <laughs> I was going to say that's a real deep, deep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was not I was not uh, making the right choices for accessibility as far as making friends, uh, let alone uh, picking up dudes. They was, yeah. I but think I had. A, I that had was a, me. I, I think one of the, when I first hung posters in my, my room, I had um, a, a John Belushi um, Animal House poster. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is random, but and then uh, then I had like a Debbie Harry, Debbie yeah, college, it was the college shirt. Uh, then I had a Debbie Harry poster. And that's very cool. And then those all got ripped down, and it was all punk flyers mm-hmm, mm-hmm, forever, mm-hmm, ever, mm-hmm. ever. Which I have still a lot of them, which is fun. They're like disintegrated, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I have a friend who still makes zines, mm-hmm. um, and she's so into it. I'm and I always get like that's how we learned about music too. Zines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, I always get. Halfway inspired, I'm like, I'm gonna do a zine too. I'm gonna start photocopy. You know, okay, that sounds like a lot of work. You know, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna sit down with my cat and uh, have a cup of tea instead. I, I had some zines going on in, in high school. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend who we had a uh, we had uh, we had a fanzine called Cheap Garbage for Snotty Teens, which we had a few a few. Uh, I was going to say episodes. That's not what they're called. Issues. Issues, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we had another one called Black Flag, which was just a one sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, we had one that was a one sheet in high school, um, but we, our, our angle on it was it was a placemat, like those mm. like disposable placemats from Denny's or whatever. With like crossword puzzles mm-hmm. and stuff? Yeah, we have little games and stuff on it. Like a, what is that? A maze? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I still have these things in this magic box of stuff. And I was looking through, and I was like, "What are we?" What? They were pretty creative. Like I, I was more in, involved in like the layout and the art direction and all that kind of thing. But then I would write reviews of things. Like we'd, it was a lot of reviews, and it's like for teenagers, and they're just like, "This sucks. This is about about the kids." Like it's all the same thing. <laughs> this club doesn't let kids in. I'm like, "You're 14. Like of course I'm not gonna let you in." Like yeah. just looking back, but well, uh, and also just not understanding that you're moving through life. Like this is temporary. This in well, a year is not going to matter to you. Well, anymore. that narcissistic teenager mm-hmm. point of view, where it's all about you. But, but uh, I don't know. It's hilarious. I'm glad <laughs> I have all this stuff. I was yeah. looking for. I think I told you this uh, last time I saw you. Is that uh, the Beastie Boys are writing a book, mm-hmm. um, like a big volume about the history of the Beastie Boys, and they had asked me to to write something for it. And uh, so I was like, kind of digging through some things to try to figure out timeline because it's just like. 14, 15, 16, 17, like, I don't know when things happen, so I was, like, trying to find pictures that had time stamps on them and stuff, uh, but I've just uncovered this incredible treasure trove of 
flyers and fanzines and photos and yeah. notes passed between people in school. I can't even believe I have this. It's great. I yeah. love it. It's like, yeah, a little time capsule I of yourself. This, I found this note. I was really good friends with this kid I made a uh, fanzine with. His name was Larry. And he was in the he was in French class with me, and he had... I don't know if he had a mohawk yet, but he had, he was like the only other he was punk. Cool. Yeah, he was a punk and I was like new wave. Um, mm-hmm. So I passed him a note and we started passing notes. And one of the notes said, uh, but you'd get him back because they'd go back and forth. That's why I have him. One of the notes I wrote, I asked, What were you like a year ago? And uh, he was like, I used to be a hippie. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it was like, there's that period of like yeah. 13 or 14 where you. That fig- was eons ago. Yeah, where you figure out your. Your persona? Oh man, I did them all. I had I, I I went through a hippie phase. I went through like a club kid phase. Yeah. I went through a punk phase. Then uh, like a specifically straight edge hardcore punk phase. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. With did X's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to X up. Oh god. But it was so funny. It was like such a funny. I li- I like that I asked that question. Like, what were you like a year ago? Because everybody, I think for me too, I coming into high school, uh, that summer before high school is when I became punk rock or new wave mm-hmm. i think i was like new wave because it sound punk yeah. rock seemed, seemed too like heart like too like i don't know scary yeah and new wave seemed more it's like the artsy version groovy. yeah um and before that i think i was just i don't know i was just like a generic kid in new york yeah uh which is not like a generic kid anywhere else i guess so, yeah. <laughs> like you're already a little bit more interesting <laughs> but uh i didn't have like a, a, a look or a or a point of view but uh anyway mm. it's just so fucking funny yeah i love it What's um, next? Um, next is, I believe, your choice. It is? Oh, wait, no. Uh, we just did Typical Girl, so it's my choice. Your Yay. choice. Okay. Um, so, uh, uh, flashing forward quite a bit, this is Bad Girls by MIA. Oh, yay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a single released in 2012. Live fast, die young, bad girls. I love it. Well, Another die good young, jam at yeah. a party. Uh-huh. Live fast, die young. Um, so yeah, I love MIA. I think she's cool as hell. And I love this song. It not only sounds great, but also I feel like it, for me, uh, makes me feel like it reminds me to not be scared of being a bad girl, of, of being like disliked, bitchy, witchy, whatever. Like, Well, that makes it. you feel like you could stand up on a car and like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. shoot at people. Bad girls get it done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I love, like, I love that she performed on her due date when she was pregnant at the Grammys a few years at, before this, I guess, yeah, 2009. Um, yeah. And I felt like, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I wanted more of, like, a little bit of the newer stuff yeah. in there also, so... Still, just I figured you were going to cover the, this this bit. this decade, yeah, ish. Just a touch. No, she's yeah, she's. I mean, there's so many incredible artists, and uh, anything that that uh, well, not this song, uh, Paper Planes, mm-hmm. which has like gunshots mm-hmm. sounds in them. Anytime there's like a girl singing, there's gunshot shot sounds. That's yeah. gonna get you got, kind of get your blood going. Yeah, but uh, she's awesome. Didn't she get in trouble for performing at at the uh, wasn't there some kind of scandal with her performing at the Super Bowl? Anybody? Anybody? Oh yeah, she gave she gave the finger, I believe. I think she was in someone else's the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl, which is like forever women getting in trouble for uh, for being for having body parts malfunctions. Yeah, finger malfunctions. People even got mad at Beyonce. 
Why? Like, because uh, they, th- some people were like, ooh, that, w- that was black power, like, like Specific. I think yeah they gave like black power fists and some people were like that's uh like uh, inciting race I don't know hate or something um basically the people who like, a year or two later turns out are not white nationalists and <laughs> destroying our country um but one of the first uh, waves that I remember of this era of uh, destructive racism was people getting mad at Beyonce on the... It was a warning we should have yeah, all... Heated. I really feel like it was. I feel like <laughs> there were a few things like that that we were like, oh, you guys are crazy. And now we're like, oh, no, there's more of you than we knew. We should have sat you down and really talked you out of this in a more uh, more careful way, uh, if any of that is possible. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she gave a finger. Um but uh, who should perform at the next year's uh, Super Bowl? Not Justin Timberlake. No. Um, I don't. I don't know. Like, what are the Super Bowl performances at this point? I was thinking about like, who are they for? Are they for the lowest common denominator? I mean, they're most people watching. I guess. Yeah. Who's going to find it entertaining? So, I, who is that? Uh, has Mariah Carey done it? I feel like she would be like, ugh, that takes some like, <laughs> She would work. show up three hours late. Yeah. The game would be over. Yeah, she'd be like, people are going to carry me around and then set me down <laughs> and then I sing three notes. And, and you could only film her from one, one side. Yep, yeah. Those are all true things, by the way. I'm not making, there's none oh. of this is exaggeration. Yeah, no, I know. I've, I have I saw her at the Hollywood Bowl and uh, she, so there was a big um, throne on stage with her and she, she was opening for Lionel Richie, which... Again, I assumed that she was like, ugh, a whole tour on my own. That sounds like a lot of work. I'll just hang out with Lionel. And um, and so in between her songs, she would like look at the throne and be like, and then look back at the audience and be like, doesn't that chair look good, you guys? Oh, no. Don't, don't, you, don't you want me to sit down? Don't you think I should be sitting in the throne? No, never mind. Okay, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. <laughs> it's going to end up being Lionel Richie, by the way, <laughs> next year at the yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, well, that would... Well, actually, it would cover a lot of bases. It probably it could because he's uh, doing American Idol now, and so I think he's going to be um, more in people's. It's just going to be judges from every singing competition performing. Yeah, yeah. So maybe Nicki Minaj. She did. Is she a judge? She was for a while. She and Mariah Carey did the same season of American Idol. I'd love if Nicki Minaj was doing Super Bowl show. That would be fun. Um, Maybe, maybe, so maybe it'll be her. Um, How did you? Wait, what's the what's the uh, Luscious Jackson to Corden uh, uh, part? How'd James Corden uh, producing. Yeah. Uh, so Luscious broke up. Um, we broke up in two thousand, which is this post Lilith Fair backlash time when you know we 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 were big in the nineties or bigish. We weren't like huge, but we we got some radio play in the nineties uh, and mid nineties specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a song called Naked Eye that charted. And we did Little Affair, we did all that, and it was great. And there was a lot of women being played on the radio. In fact, there was a lot of alternative rock stations that, that were like specifically female-oriented, female and that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, You're Sean Colvins. Yes, exactly. You're, uh, yeah, a lot of people. Uh, Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> yes, that's yes. the name I was going uh, for. <laughs> and then at Cheryl Crow, like this, yeah. that whole that thing. And we sort of, whatever, we were played on alternative rock radio, we were played on these stations, we were sort of hitting, breaking pop a little bit. Um, and we always consider ourselves like a pop, like alternative pop, I guess. Um, but then towards the end of the 90s, there was this this uh, this Limp Bizkit and Corn and this whole era of stuff yeah. that came in. And then there was a revival of, of Woodstock that happened, I think, in 99. 
And literally people, like women were getting like raped in the mosh pit. Like it was really bad. And it was like Limp Bizkit corn, all these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Cheryl Crow had played this and it was just a bad scene. And this was sort of like the end of women on the radio, basically at that time. Um, where ra- Radio stations were then like, we were already playing, we're already playing No Doubt, so we can't play Luscious Jackson. Mm-hmm. Or we're already playing Garbage, so we can't play your, you know. Mm-hmm. And our record label is kind of like, we're going to stop working your record. Um, and we were just kind of like, what, if, what are we doing? We can't, you know, we're not, we can't, we're not getting played on the radio, which means you can't tour, and like whatever. And we just decided to, to hang it up. So um, after that, I was kind of like, what am I going to do now? And I took a few years. I started, I lived in New York. I started dating someone out in L.A., and uh, eventually moved out here, and I was sort of like figuring out what to do. I did like um, the artist way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you woke up and did your morning pages yeah. every morning, just to kind of, yeah, like what's next? I didn't think yeah. I wanted to be in a band. It seemed like it was just it's just it's hard, mm-hmm. and I wanted to be home and blah blah blah. Um, and I so I found out um, that Ellen DeGeneres was going to have a talk show, and we had friends in common. I knew her a little bit socially from Luscious Jackson World. And I reached out, uh, I got a meeting with our executive producers, and we had a lunch, which seemed a very Hollywood thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, we talked a lot about my background, and before uh, I was in a band, I was a photo researcher, I had done some research. And anyway, they gave me a chance, and they, they started me off there as a researcher, and uh, executive producer was like, in three years, you'll be producing. Mm-hmm. To dis- For some reason, like I had the, the mind, like the comedic mind, I was able to write in her voice, mm-hmm. and then also just the producer mind, which I think came from being in a band, because mm-hmm. basically you're putting you're on a show. It yourself. Yeah, you're it's, putting on a show every yeah. day, and you're dealing with the press, and you're dealing with uh, lighting, and you're dealing with uh, like a set list. Like, there's all and these. You see it, how they all affect each other. Yeah, how, so those you're, elements all. If work you're together. not fucking wasted or strung out, whatever, mm-hmm. you can learn how to be a producer. That's basically, and we produced all our albums. We were in charge of our marketing, like whatever. So it it just worked with my brain and also I think drummers there's a lot of drummers who are producers it's like a weird it's a something commonality mm-hmm. in, the brain, in the brain in your backbone yeah uh, we sit back here we, we kind of control what's going on mm-hmm. I play mm-hmm. a little faster <laughs> um, and uh, so I started at Ellen mm-hmm. when when that show started up you and got that's, an Emmy I did get an Emmy uh, after a couple, about three years I was producing on that show and then I've just worked on a bunch of shows I worked at Ellen for six years I worked with George Lopez. I worked with uh, Kathy Griffin. I worked with Chelsea, um, and then uh, with Whitney. Like every, all these incredible, like I, I, I love comedy. Always have, especially women's voices and comedy, and and grew up just loving, loving, loving all of it. So, yeah, it was just a weird second career in my life. But uh, and I've been working with Corden for we're almost going to be in four seasons. Yeah, third season. Yeah, and he's great. Mm-hmm. And that shows really good people and. Yeah, and uh, very creative, and it's musical, and mm-hmm. not that I have anything to do with the music side of it, but uh, uh, it's like the perfect storm of everything I love. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when I come back um, for, to do drop the mic segments, of course I go in and say hi to all the writers, and but uh, besides them, uh, yeah, always check in with the well, I check in with everybody, but like I love all the producers. I'm here, everybody. Yeah, you're here. Remember me, Eliza. Um, yeah, that's what I do. Um, and but also the band, I love the band. Yeah, um, and just get. I mean, Reggie Watts them. already is yeah. just a mad genius of yeah. comedy and music. I mean, like and Hagar and all of them. I mean, the fact that, or if I had Debbie Harry and John Belushi up on my wall, like that's that's <laughs> yes. There you, you go. You're going to like Reggie. Life. <laughs> but also just music and comedy. Like I just love, 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 love. So uh, I've been really lucky. I've worked with some incredible people, mm-hmm. and um, I've learned how to be a television producer, which is fun. And I get to now. I produce. I 
when in last year I would do a lot of interviews and I, and I learned how to like tell a story or whatever um and now I'm extracting stories from celebrities mm-hmm. which is fun how hard or do they I, I imagine mm, a lot of them do enough of this that they know they need to have little bits to offer you there and then different you'll help types yeah I mean there's people who are like thinking of stories and like kind of taking note and then then there are people you just sort of have to mind them it's like mm-hmm. and I always I always approach it as like we're, it's it's really weird. I do a pre-interview, which, surprise, surprise, people who don't know how it works, we talk to the guests before they're on the air. Um, but it, it feels like a blind date. Like, it's a really weird mm-hmm. thing. And I used to approach it very sort of like, ask a question, get an answer. But now I'm just sort of like, so what's going on? You know, I just it's much more conversational. I'm much more relaxed because I've been doing it for so long. And I realize I can kind of get better stuff. But, well, like, I'll look at your Twitter and I'll say, oh, you were you did jury duty. <laughs> Uh, who was the weirdest person to journey to? Like you'd really try to find mm-hmm. ways into stories, so like you make them interesting. Yeah, and also because you they, make them better, better party conversationalists. There's so many. So you, I have to like fall in love with them, and then I have mm-hmm. to like tell James Corden why he should be in love with them, and then we have other guests with us. So then everyone has to be like, well, they have a story about going to jury duty, and you just you right. were just sent to jail. Yeah, because you know? everybody's on the couch at the same time on the yeah. show. I, I remember hearing Corden talk about how um, he couldn't. He that, that no politicians would want to do his show because even if he guaranteed that he wouldn't ask a certain thing or say a certain thing, he couldn't do that for the other guests that yeah. would be on the couch with them. Yeah, um, and so that that is why it was. It's not sticky. as relaxed, but yeah. yeah. So we're we're trying to like create this weird uh, alchemy. Uh, yeah, of like a steered conversation, um, and it doesn't always work. But when it works, it can be great. Like it can be really magical and fun. And um, for me, you know, I get to talk to like. Kristen Wiig mm-hmm. and like shoot the shit with her on the phone for half an hour yeah. which and and finds great stories that are funny to tell on television yeah. and I want everyone at home to fall in love and want to see her whatever it is she's promoting so uh, it's super fun for me I mean it's I've met some pretty cool people not that I'm like friends with them I just get to talk to them for well I mean yeah half a day or whatever it is yeah I mean with every job you you talk to people sometimes and so if those people happen to be some of the most interesting interesting people in the world, I mean, you get to hey, write raps great. like wow. uh, for fucking Helen Mirren. That was very fun. Yeah, yeah, that was that. That's probably the one that I was the most uh, freaked out, stoked about. Yeah, because she also, I mean, she's always been just a chill feminist. I would say. Yeah, like she's. Um, She's always been super comfortable with sexuality, like yeah. Eve, and yeah, and funny, and just, but just incredible like, actor. And, yeah, and but just like a lot of like, oh, by the way, that's not cool what you just said. Anyway, um, in like a really <laughs> chill kind of kind of way. That's what her notes to you. Well, no, I mean like I've seen her in interviews and stuff, oh, like, oh, when, yeah, when, especially when out. she was younger. Yeah, um, not, and not in like in a like like a making a big deal out of it, but just like I'm not gonna. Like I'm not gonna let that fly, sort of thing. Yeah, and so she yeah. wasn't just look, sitting there looking pretty. Yeah, so yeah, the moment where I. Um, I noticed that she, we'd been going over it for a while, and I noticed that she was like kind of stumbling over the ride or die line. Like hmm. when she calls, um, she says that Judy Dench um, and uh, Maggie and, uh, yeah, Maggie Smith and um, Meryl Streep are her, she refers to them as her ride, ride or die. die. Yeah. Uh, I, well, ride I, I refer to them, I wrote that. Uh-huh. And she was like, huh. And I was like, oh, do you know what that means? And she was like, no, I don't. She, she had just been trying to give it her all but not understanding it. And I was like, oh, that means, like, they're your friends for life. Like, mm-hmm. you'll you'll go to the mat for them. Like, they, like you, you're with them for life. And she was like, oh, 
Oh, I love that. And I was like, okay, me too. Oh, wait, don't cry in except, front of the famous lady. Except for Meryl Streep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, who knows? Yeah. Just kidding. No, she was, uh, she, she was great about it. And uh, it, was, it was very cool. Um, That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. We have weird lives, Kate. Yeah. It's fun. I like it. I like it because, uh, you know, it works when it doesn't seem produced. That's the weird thing about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can tell, like, I'll watch sometimes and I can see when, like, someone's reading a card, a question off a card that's clearly not, you know. But it's the best when it feels like it's completely spontaneous. It's like a dinner party. Woo! Mm-hmm. Fun people. Yeah. Uh, I want to do your last song. Okay. So you're, it's funny, you said you're self-conscious to pick a song that I have any connection <laughs> to. Um and so I just went ahead and picked a song by my band. Yeah. <laughs> so the song I picked, uh, this is off our first uh, EP uh, for Luscious Jackson. Uh, the song is called Daughters of the Chaos. Daughters of the Chaos. Oof. You're so cool, Kate. This is so cool. <laughs> Well, I, I can't take credit for any of this song, but I'll, I'll let it play for a sec. I'll let her start rapping. I just let it play the whole thing. I mean, I'm, I'm listening to it. Heard of the chaos. <laughs> you probably know the lyrics better than me. So, I actually wasn't in the band when this was made. So, I can play it, I can pick it as a fan. Um, the band was actually started by uh, Jill Kniff and Gabby Glazer, old friends of mine from New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is part of uh, the group of songs, there's like five songs on this first EP In Search of Manny. In Search of Manny um, that they did together, as just the two of them, with a, with a producer named Tony, friend of theirs. Um, and this was their demo tape. And so this was this, those group of songs that were kind of like shopping around mm-hmm. and they gave a cassette of this to uh, the Beastie Boys and um, <clears throat> to Mike Diamond specifically and was like, if you have any ideas who we should send this to or if you, if you like it or any notes, whatever. Um, and then they, the Beastie Boys would listen to it on their tour bus. They were so into it. And then they had already been thinking about starting a label and they asked if they could release it. And everyone else they had sent it to, they were like, yeah, but you'll have to re-record it, and it's just like it's too lo-fi, blah blah blah. But of course, the BCs were like, "No, we get it. Mm-hmm. It's perfect the way it is. Just needs to be like mastered, remixed, whatever." Um, and then they were starting; they were gonna like play shows and and wanted to also add some more songs. So that's when they got in touch with me and Vivian, who's keyboardist, um, and Jill. I had played like fucked around with here and there, playing music. And she asked, she gave me this, and I was just like, this is incredible. I love it. It's like, sort of like how the Beasties were. It's like mixing. It's got some hip-hop elements, um, some sam- sampling and live music. This one's uh, specific to samples, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's so fun to play this song live. And um, initially, Luscious, this and this album, the first two albums were very kind of in-your-face, feminist uh like uh, the songs, like there's a song called Energy Sucker and Strongman, mm-hmm. and they're just very Life of Legion, like very like. I was going to pick Energy Sucker if you had a good one of yours on. Uh, and um, it was kind of the point of view that Jill uh, and Gabby were coming from at the time, and then things got a little bit less like accusatory and a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. looking inward mm. as the albums went on. So, mm-hmm. uh, but this is a song we'll still play. 
that, uh, but uh, at the end too, I th- it also has some gunshots, which is also makes me think of the MIA. Yeah, um, I, I felt like um, like at one point I had them reversed, and this, but I felt like it would be weird to play another song after yours. Uh-huh. Um, but I do feel like there you, you can see influences. Um, or like those existed in the same world. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, and then the song from what I, from, and, and again, I'm like the worst person with the lyrics and I literally do not know <laughs> lyrics to, to my band song. Like we mm-hmm. play that. I have no idea what they're talking about. So I have to look them up, but, uh, I do know that. So chaos is spelled K A O S in this song. Mm-hmm. And there was a show called get smart, which mm-hmm. was like a 70s sitcom about, uh, spies, Kooky yep. spies, mm-hmm. and uh, there was the uh, chaos. Was like the bad guys. the bad guys. Mm-hmm. So, um, shoot, what's the name of the female lead of that show? Oh, um, well, uh, in the movie, it was I think Anne Hathaway. But it that's... was Anne Hathaway. But the original Anne Hathaway <laughs> <laughs> was not Marlo Thomas, but it's somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she was a friend of Jill's dad, huh. and so she would be in his social scene, and she would, she was always sort of inspired by by her and her character on that show. 99 was the character she played. Uh, is it Barbara Feldon? Is that it? Yeah, it must be Barbara Feldon. Yeah. She, she played 99. Yeah. Uh, so Jill always kind of had this kinship towards um, 99 and hmm. Get Smart in the So Chaos is kind of a, a play yeah. on that. I mean, growing up, any... The, the girl character and everything, yeah. I feel like I would like latch on to and be like, oh, okay, so there's a girl in this. There's and she was like, the, she was there's the a... smart, capable one, and yeah. he was the dodo. So, uh, uh, so yeah, she was like bopping around in her universe. But um, yeah, this is a nice, like some flamingo guitar, flamingo, mm-hmm. not flamingo, mm-hmm. flamingo. I mean, that's probably how flamingos would play if they could. <laughs> so I Just think it's one leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I think I I got uh, natural ingredients first, and mm-hmm. then went back and found this after that. Um, and I, I remember buying it on vinyl, saving up my. It was I think that might have been the first time I ever bought a new record. I had only bought like you know used mm-hmm. dollar bin records. Uh-huh. Um, this I was like, I want to have this. I want it to. I want to have it on vinyl. Um, and yeah, and it was like so cool. It's a good record. I mean, I, and also I can say that because I, I was a fan of it. Mm-hmm. And before I was asked to be in the band, I loved the song. So um, you could say it if about being uh, the stuff that after you were in it also. I was a fan of that, too. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, those we, we, were all, we all grew up, you know, in New York in that time. And, you know, we're strong feminist point of view. But, um, you know, I think what was what what I thought I was uh, thought was cool about my band is that we never kind of gave in to the pressure to whatever sell out the baby. What'd you say? Sexy Uh, babies. babies? Yeah. Um, We uh, we always did. We we produced all our albums. We art directed all our photo shoots. We, Mm. uh, you know, we produced everything. You know, like we we were wearing jeans and flannels. You seemed we, comfy we, and cool. Yeah. <laughs> we would we would go and we'd be asked to do photo shoots for magazines, and they'd ask they'd want to put us in like Versace and cowboy boots, and we were like, no, yeah. And we just sort of kind of stuck to it, and, and um, maybe we would have been huge if we hadn't of you know if we weren't so whatever stubborn. Um, but we would watch like have we had friends who were in bands who would who were marketed in a very different way, and they'd play these shows, and people would be yelling at them like, "Shows your tits," and that didn't happen at our shows. Yeah, we had people who would bring us brownies. Hi, I know that was something you, you would do. Yeah. yeah, that was that was my move. Yeah, yeah, made brownies. If for the you could have brought souls, us, for you, sure, you could have brought us some brownies. That was our fans. We had a yeah. we had a good run. I'm I'm really proud of this band, and and uh, I hope uh, I don't know maybe someone will use a song like this on on the on the 
revival of nine to five. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, all of you uh, people out there making revivals of nine to five, consider it. <laughs> uh, I think it's a good call. Um, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited that you came in. Uh, I'm in- so I was so honored to be asked. Um, where can people find you, or do you want people to find uh, you? <laughs> In Glendale. Okay, all right. Um, uh, they can follow your band on Twitter. They can follow. So yes, uh, Lester Jackson. We're, we're probably our Facebook page is the most okay. updated. Um, here's a sad thing: Luscious Jackson has Twitter, but somebody already had the ha- the hashtag Luscious Jackson. <laughs> so it's spelled without the A. It, it, uh, there's no way Jack. Yeah, it's it's J. Yeah, Jackson. So it's not the best thing. So go find us on Facebook. Okay, <laughs> all right. So that's um, that's where we are. And and uh, if enough of you find us, maybe we'll we get to play some more shows. Yay! So definitely do it because I want to see some more shows. Um, Otherwise, I'll I'll you'll see me. I'm at the Americana all the time, <laughs> <laughs> just walking around with my son. Cool, cool. All right. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Thank you for listening to Cool Playlist. I'm Eliza Skinner. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Eliza Skinner. You can follow the podcast at, at @coolplaylistpod. You can also find our website at coolplaylistpod.com, and you can find links to all the playlists we make and anything we talk about, and our Patreon. We don't have advertisers, so we rely on Patreon co-producers like you. The theme music is by Ross Bryant. The art and logo is by D. Billy at Duchess in the Queen Studio. And the podcast is produced by cool DJ Aristotle Acevedo. Oh, and you can always rate and review us on iTunes. Everybody loves that. Bye.